Welcome to the Base Path Podcast, brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is the coach of one of the top New England prep programs, quite possibly the favorite to earn the number one ranking in our prep coaches poll at the preseason mark. It's Cheshire Academy coach Anthony Giano, who is set to begin his third season as the school's head coach. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm uh, excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, like I said, it, there's a lot of excitement going into your season. Uh, last year, you guys finished 15-2, and two, runner-up in the WNEPBL. Uh, you guys fell to Salisbury in the championship. Um, last year, the team hit 356 and had a 1.62 ERA. So you were pretty dominant on both sides of the ball. Uh, what are your expectations going into the year? I said you guys might be a preseason favorite uh, in New England. So I'm I'm pretty confident in our pitching staff. We're pretty pitcher heavy. I don't have as many power hitters as I had last year, but it did it did come to bite us a little bit at the end because we were shut out by a great pitcher at Salisbury. So uh, I'm hoping to to score a few runs, generate, manufacture some runs, generate some runs, and win some games. Yeah, and you guys are going down to Orlando. A lot of prep programs in New England take trips down to Florida, or even occasionally a couple will take trips out to the West Coast. What is the purpose of those trips, and what does your team gain from it that you wouldn't be able to get staying up in Cheshire? So we've been doing it. I've been I've been at CA since teen. We've been doing it for a long time. Uh, it's a great uh, bonding trip. It's also great to see kind of what you have kind of don't take a, a lot of stock in the games, but we get a lot of guys moving around and moving in and kind of build some chemistry. We get there, uh, we'll get there on, uh, we'll play five days we're there, and I think I'll play double headers every day. I think we'll play eight games in about five days. I'm going down with 30 guys too, so we're going to, we get a lot out of it. It's a it's a great experience. We try, I try to play like in the morning and then mid-after. We try to play 8.30, I think we play like 11, and then it gives the kids time in the afternoon to kind of chill at the pool and go to uh, Universal Studios and kind of just just bond. It's a really good bonding experience. And those aren't official games that would count towards your record or are there's more scrimmages? Yeah, they're all scrimmages. I mean, they some teams use it like, so I just do practice games, but I know we have like two official games that will count against some other teams, not for us. So I don't really know how that actually works. Like we'll, we'll play a team in Minnesota and it'll be an official game for them or something. So... I'm not sure how that works for them. For us, they're all scrimmages. Yeah. And one of the reasons I was really interested to talk to you, last year, your team had eight guys move on to go play college baseball. They're on college campuses right now. This class and the class of 2024, you have 11 college commitments, including six at the D1 level, some big time schools. So you have UConn commit, College of Charleston, St. John's, UMass Lowell, Hofstra, Villanova some really big time schools. How are you able yes. to help these guys get into these programs? And how have you been able to form so many connections with college coaching staffs? So a lot of it is just, I'm, I'm, I, my term for myself is passionately aggressive. So I'm passionate to get these guys into school and I'm, I'm aggressive to get on the phone and make phone calls and uh, send videos. And also I work with a lot of their travel coaches in the summer. So I make sure they're at the right tournaments where the right people can see them. I mean, all summer I'm on the phone just getting kids trying to get in front of the right people and trying to make good good decisions for their future. And at our school, we're fortunate with our college counseling to really, we kind of match schools, not only athletically, but academically to the kids' suits. So I, I have a lot of help with college counseling for our school and just trying to get kids 
placed in the right spots and seen at the right times. I think that's that's kind of what I've I've been trying to do. And and this year we have we have like four other guys that I'm pretty close to getting them in the right fit schools from Union to Anna Maria, Salem State, some different schools that seem to be good fit for some other guys. So we'll have probably four more guys signed hopefully prior to the season starting. Yeah, and I didn't even mention your 2025s. You already have three of those guys committed to D1 programs with, I'm sure, more coming behind them. And those are UConn, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech. So big-time schools. A couple of those are Power 5 programs. Now, I wanted to ask, you mentioned getting them in the right tournaments. You're working with travel ball programs, making sure they get seen. Is that you're talking to college coaches and you're they're, they might say, hey, I'm going to be down at the WWBA World Championships. And you say, okay. Let me make sure this guy who is looking at your school is going to be down there. Or is it more you just happen to know these are where there's going to be 30, 40 schools. So I'm going to give this kid a heads up like, hey, even though maybe baseball UCT or club the clubhouse isn't going, you maybe you could latch up as like a guest on somebody else's travel program and play in those tournaments. We we do latch up with some other teams to play as a guest, but I'm mostly talking to recruiting coordinators and head coaches about kids where they want to be and kind of say, hey, such and such is going to be in Delaware. And then the other guy's going to be down in Florida. Which one of yours, who in your staff is going to be at the Florida trip? And coach will tell me, and then I'll reach out to that guy and say, hey, I need you to look at Dan. Dan's coming down. He's throwing two innings. I kind of try to get their schedule ahead. So the coaches aren't really wasting any time sitting around watching games. They kind of know, hey, Dan's pitching on Tuesday. He's throwing two innings. He's the second guy going in. I'm going to go check him out. So it's a lot of that. It's a lot of coordinating. Like I said, I'm fortunate. I work with a bunch of good travel coaches from Mike Morris at the Grind, Matt Burns and MVP, Mike Borzio Clubhouse. I'm sure I'm missing guys that'll be mad at me, but I try to work with everybody. I mean, my, my, my job is to get the kids to the next level. And of course, I always want to uh, do well and win, but I think getting the kids to school is, is more important. But, you know, hopefully we can win too. Yeah. No, no, no. Everybody wants both. You want to win and you want to get to those big time programs or even just you have guys who are going off to uh, some smaller D2 and D3 schools, but that can also be fulfilling a lifelong dream just to play at that next level. So those are all these commitments are important in terms of transfers. You have a good amount of transfers this year, too. And guys who have already committed to colleges like Zach Warzel is a UConn commit. He's transferring this year as a left handed pitcher from foreign or Ferran High in Connecticut? Foreign. Yeah. Foreign, yep. Yeah, so Zach was a guy that we had talked early into his senior year at Foreign. Uh, his Scott, Scott, his dad, and Zach. We've been in contact for a long time. I thought he had electric stuff. I think maybe he wasn't seen as much at school. I think they like a 32 seed, and he beat a one seed in the Connecticut tournament. And then he had a great summer. I mean, we, we, we sent him to a lot of places. And he probably had like six or seven offers. And we talked to Coach McDonald at UConn, and, and he decided that's where he wanted to be. It was kind of a lifelong dream to be at UConn. So that, that's what he did. I, I kind of helped him pad at Baseball U, myself, his dad. We kind of put him on tour this summer, and he ended up he ended up going to UConn. So it was great, great fit for him. Are you actively tr- recruiting guys to come in the transfer? Or do you think you're getting more recommendations from travel ball coaches that are saying, hey, Cheshire Academy might be a great program for you? It's a combination. I get a lot of referrals from travel coaches think it'd be a good fit. I also have a lot of, I'm on the phone a lot, doing a lot of recruiting. I have, you know, I have like three kids that I've talked to since they were in sixth grade that are coming in as 2028s. 
It's kind of weird to say class of 2028. Um, so I'm actively recruiting. I'm, I'm, I'm in constant contact with a bunch of travel coaches, not only in Connecticut, but New York, Massachusetts, uh, kind of tri-state. Um, I've, I've talked to some kids from California. I talked to kids from Texas. So, so I'm actively recruiting and I do have a, a good group of people that try to send me people as well. A good group of coaches that try to send me student athletes as well. So we're just working. I'm constantly on the phone, constantly doing something. So. Yeah, and I know you have three sons who have attended Cheshire Academy. One, Antonio graduated in 2019, Dante 2020, Luca 2023. We're all all three sons baseball players. Or I know one is playing football in college. What are, what are they all doing now? Yeah, so I have my oldest is just, he's uh, working on his master's at Anna Maria. He just finished his like COVID football season. He had one more year, so he came out to Anna Maria and Worcester and had a great season. They named captain. He did really well out there. My middle son, Dante, it was, was a classical pianist. Now he's switching over to nursing. He's still in school. And then my youngest, Luca, was a captain of the soccer team at Cheshire Academy, a soccer guy. I did make him play some baseball. He was really fast, but he's more of a soccer guy. He's at Castleton University in Vermont playing soccer there. Yeah, you've got the whole family at Cheshire Academy. Your wife, too, is the school's student activities coordinator. And uh, she was till about two years ago. Oh, she, okay. Yeah, she had she works for Yale University now. So she. She's doing that now, so. Gotcha. How did you end up at Cheshire Academy? I ended up there from my youngest son being recruited to play, uh, my oldest son being recruited to play football at the time. Dave Dykeman was the football coach, and I had kind of helped there a little bit, helped out, and then ended up getting hired to coach basketball. And then I've coached football, basketball, baseball. I've coached everything there, but I've kind of settled into my role as the head baseball coach now, so. And what was what was your sport when you were playing in uh, ba- baseball? Oh, okay, baseball, for did, sure. Did, yeah. Did you play at the college level? No, I didn't. No. Where did you back play? Back then, it was I'm I'm old, so <laughs> back then things were different and different times, and I had to you know do some other things. So I played at North Haven, and then I played American Legion. It was big back then. I played for a guy named Joe Maddie, who's a the baseball coach at Quinnipiac College at the time. But I bounced around all over, so. And how have you adjusted to the way the ch- the prep sca- uh, landscape has changed over the last, I mean, it's changed a lot since the pandemic. I feel like there are a lot more transfers, a lot more people doing PG years, but also it must have changed a ton since you first came to Cheshire Academy in 2015. Well, when I came, this is how football was. Everybody transferred to different schools to have like super teams of football. And now that's kind of transcended to be baseball now because I, I don't really, I, I, I don't. I don't take anything away from any other baseball, but I think if people have means and opportunity and can do this, it's it's a little bit better baseball than just regular high school baseball. So, and I I don't knock anything or take anything away from anything. It's just having kids from one town is much different than having kids from all over the country. So I, I think it's kind of going more that way now. A lot of kids, I mean, we get a ton and ton of inquiries. And I'm, I know I talk to other coaches in my league, other prep leagues, just let's, it's being inundated right now for baseball. So I guess you ride the wave up and see what happens. Yeah. And you you described that collaborative process with travel ball coaches where you're working on recruiting together, making sure they're being seen at events in the summer. Some of those events are down south and you're just making sure that recruiting coordinators and college coaches are aware of where they're going. What about the actual in-season? Like, are, are you ever talking, hey, here's this kid's pitch count? 
or let's take a look at his mechanics together. Is that also collaborative or do the travel coaches mostly just let them do their thing during the prep school season and then kind of get them back in June? Most of the guys that I, you know, me being fortunate, having somebody throw more than 60 pitches in a game last year, our top 15 innings, just because we have so much pitching. But we, so we had ramped up two of our guys, or kind of kept two of our guys not throwing so much for me during the season so that they can throw in the summer because I knew they would get tons of offers. So we kind of balance things. Of course, I'm always going to use them if I need to, but there's certain instances where they don't really need to throw. We just have to do their programs. So I try to keep everybody as healthy as I can, especially because it seems like all you hear about is Tommy John surgery. So try to keep the guys loose and healthy and I don't overthrow them at all. So. Yeah. Do you find it hard to recruit? Because I, I have parents all the time reach out to me and just say, hey, I know you guys are covering all these prep programs. My son, here's what he is academically. Here's what he is on the baseball field. We're trying to find the best school for him and he wants to go play college baseball. Do you have a recommendation? I'm always like, I don't, I know they're all, there are a lot of great options all across. You should tell him, you should tell him Cheshire Academy. (laughs) I know. I should, but so I'll, I'll I'll kind of let you tell him when you're, when you're talking about Cheshire Academy, what distinguishes it from any other prep school across New England? So we're fortunate that we've been around forever and we have really everything small classrooms, kind of horseshoe, uh, shaped classrooms, not a ton of kids. You never get lost. Our college counseling was incredible. Uh, you'll have your, your academic advisor that you'll meet with once a week to kind of see, make sure everything's going well, all your work is done. And then everybody gets their, their notices if something's not done or missed something. So that comes to me. That'll go to the college counseling. That'll go to their advisor. So we're really on top of everybody, and it's small. So I mean, I think we're at like 350 students. So it's a small school. You can't get lost. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows your face. And we try to keep it so that everybody's accountable for their time. Now, have you had a situation yet? It looks like some of these guys, these UConn commits or Notre Dame, even this year, St. John's, are any of these guys MLB draft prospects? And if so, how does that change the way you interact with coaches and scouts? So we have a couple guys uh, that I'm talking with. One guy's going to pitch next week for the Padres, just some scouts. Actually, two two of them are. We we have a bunch of scouts at our games, and they have to fill out questionnaires and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, for me, I just tell everybody, take one day at a time. Tell everybody, you're going to college first. Everybody should go to college. Nobody's that cool. If I had guys that good, we'd win. <laughs> but I try to keep everybody balanced and level. And the, the scouts, there's a lot of scouts that come around. Basically, just ask questions. So, uh, you know, we just try to keep everybody uh, grounded, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it strikes me every time we're, I feel like we're previewing guys either pitching at Cheshire or even right-handed, left-handed, all that. It seems like you have multiple guys who are throwing 90-plus or 85-plus. How many guys do you have going into this season who who can throw 90? Like five. Wow. So is it ever difficult to appease well, or, or maybe get all those guys as much of a a role as they're looking for? Because you can probably go anywhere when you're throwing 90 plus and be an ace and you have five of those guys. How how do you keep them all happy? Well, there's a, two guys or multiple guys. Well, actually three, 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 four. They all play multiple positions. So it's not like they're just pitchers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a culture that we kind of get. Like, so we're, we're all as one. Like we're always together, the whole team. 
Like when we do signings, everybody comes in their formals and we support everybody, whether they're, you know, a freshman JV guy or whatever. We try to try to keep everything together and everything tight. And everybody has the same goal. Everybody wants to go to college and everybody wants to win. So, of course, you can throw seven innings and throw 120 pitches and strike everybody out. But my goal is to get those kids to that next level. So you're going to throw two innings and strike six guys out. And then we'll bring somebody else in. And then they kind of feed off each other. When they get an opportunity, they don't want to spoil it. So right or wrong, I pitch guys less and give them, you know, all have the same opportunities. So I could probably throw four four guys and just build that rotation for every game. But, you know, it's not, that's, that's not how I want to do things. Yeah. And your team isn't the only one in the league that has these big time. Oh, yeah. It's all arms. over. I mean, it's, yeah. It's all over all the leagues. Yeah, I mentioned Elders League, all the other leagues. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Salisbury last year ended up winning the the championship game. Williston Northampton's really good this year. Canterbury, I think, has well just as many recruits as you do going off to play in a college. How do you kind of size up that league going into this season? Uh, you know we're gonna we're we're going to pitch and play the best guys we can and have the best games. When we play uh, Salisbury, Canterbury, usually great games, usually a tight game, very on the edge of your seat. It's pretty fun to coach in it because everybody's so nervous. Um, but I just kind of laugh. I'm pretty laid back. I tell everybody to relax. So those games, any anytime we play those guys will be good. We put some guys on the schedule. We put some other teams on the schedule this year. We'll we'll see Austin Prep, Putnam Science. We'll go to Brunswick. I, I loaded the schedule, so it'll be it'll be fun to see how we how we uh, do. Um, yeah, we'll play about twenty two games, not including the eight games in Florida. Yeah, and it really does give these college coaches a chance to see how how players are going to match up against that D one competition because almost every game it seems like in these co- in these leagues and even when you're, you mentioned your non league schedule, they're going to see D one arms uh, a lot. Do you ever have somebody? In the beginning of the year, you're not thinking of them as a big time commit, and then you're just like, "Man, this guy is so productive against big time arms. Maybe he is a D1 prospect." I had a player last year that was cut from his high school team and wanted to restart and came as a post grad, and he wasn't playing at the beginning of the year and had an opportunity, made the best of it, and hit like uh, uh, a kid that from Salisbury, that like UConn, he had a double off him, and another kid going to William and Mary Canterbury hit a home run off him. And he, he wound up going to a D3 school and he's, he's playing baseball. So, and it was not shocking. I knew he was athletic. It just, I didn't think he was going to be as well. He did. I think he ended up in like 462 for us last year and was off in college now. So those are, those are good, happy stories, but yeah, it happens. It happens. That's great. Well, coach, if you don't mind hanging in with us for a few minutes, we do a segment uh, on every podcast. It's called three up, three down. And it's just general interest baseball questions that uh, kind of clue in the listeners on how you might have fallen in love with the sport of baseball. Do you have time for that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to our producer, David Yaz. Three up, three down. Thank you, Dan. Another exciting edition of Three Up, Three Down coming your way. They are unprepared, our panelists, for these questions about to follow. Coach, you're the guest. You get to go Thanks. first. You get to go first. Question number one. As a young man playing Little League, what was the first position you wanted to play and why? Catcher. <laughs> because what? I wanted to control the game. I wanted to be getting the ball every play, and I couldn't throw strikes as a pitcher, so I wanted to be a catcher. 
I was uh, a catcher myself in Little League, and it's good for kids like me with short attention spans because you because <laughs> th- there's no place to hide. I might have had some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you end up uh, playing as you, as you grew older? Yes, catcher. Yes. Catcher. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. How about you, Dan? I wanted to pitch. I, I remember my dad used to be a little league coach when I first started. So he used to kind of fill out. It wasn't like an official baseball scorebook. He just kind of had a printout with like six lines and he would put your position for six innings. And I just remember looking at that all the time, looking for P. And, <laughs> and it was back in like when I was in single A or when I was six years old, right after T-ball. I did a fair amount of pitching, but as I grew older, I kind of moved into like infield, second base type of type of positioning. You couldn't develop the curveball, or no, I, I I didn't have a good curveball, and I'm not as you can see, I'm like five foot nine or five foot ten, so I never was throwing gas once uh, everybody else started growing. The irony in little league is a lot of time the when they're real young, the fat kids are are really good because they they can get a lot of weight behind throwing the the ball. Yeah, they <laughs> have then, a lot of power at the plate too. Exactly, and then things even out eventually. Yeah. Second question. Question number two. Dan, you get to start with this one. Who's the greatest manager in the history of Major League Baseball? Oh, man. I am. My favorite manager is Charlie Manuel from the Phillies. He won the World Series with them. And he was just like not analytical at all. He would be like, it's hot out there. It's hitting weather. He just kept everybody loose. Probably the best. I don't know. Maybe Joe Torrey or Casey Stengel. I during my lifetime, I'd say Tory. He seemed to manage a lot of big personalities and kind of keep everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah. He was the one manager that made you jealous when, as a Red Sox fan. Like, we, yeah, we, I'd trade for him. Although Francona did pretty well for himself. Coach, how about you? Favorite or best manager of all time? Favorite, best manager. Well, favorite manager of all time was Jim Leland. Mm. Just smoke cigarettes in the dugout. <laughs> he did, yelling yeah. at everybody. <laughs> He was just as old school as old school could be. You know what I mean? It was just unbelievable. But the uh, greatest manager to me in my time would, would have to be Joe Torre with the Yankees and what he did with all those guys, bringing in guys that no one wanted, like Chili Dave, uh, Charlie Hayes, Chili Davis, and all these guys, and Canseco, and, and winning championships. I mean, I think Joe Torre would be the greatest manager ever. Jim Leland recently voted into Cooperstown. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that guy was nuts, so I, well, I kind of like him. He has some great YouTube clips. If you go on YouTube and just search Jim Leland, like he's giving Barry Bonds Oh, he's giving Barry Bonds earful. Business. Yeah, business. it's hilarious. Cool. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Final question, Coach, we'll throw it to you. If there were a constitution of being a baseball fan, under any circumstances, is it permissible to abandon your team for a different team? No, no, <laughs> never. You cannot abandon your team because they're not winning. So, yes, no, there's there, there's no way that you can abandon your team. You get on that I, ship and you sink with it. That's the correct answer. That's the answer we we're looking for. But, Dan, we'll allow you to answer as well. I agree. <laughs> no, I'm the same. Uh, so I, w- I was trying to think in my head, like, what if you've moved at some yeah. point in your life and you live in the new city for a longer period than the team you grew up? cheering for but i grew up in um the mid-atlantic area in wilmington delaware so i was a phillies fan and then i moved to new england when i was 18 to go to college and i've been here ever since so i've actually lived here longer than i lived in delaware and i'm still a phillies fan so i say no Good for you yeah you got to keep your your hometown roots yeah my dad grew up a brooklyn dodgers fan moved to brookline mass as a teenager 
and enjoyed the Red Sox, root for the Red Sox. But when the Red Sox played the Dodgers a few years ago in the World Series, he was very upset when the Red Sox won. Really? <laughs> yeah, after all these years. Oh, wow. Well, so loyal guy, loyal guy. That's right. Exactly. Coach Dan, you both did tremendous in three up, three Seven. down. Peanuts and Cracker Jacks are on the way out as your reward. Congratulations. Well done. Well, thanks to Anthony Giano for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, David Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.